16 minutes it is now before 8 p.m. We go into our business wrap on this uh, Thursday and uh, we are taking a look at some of the big news stories that uh, moved markets uh, this uh, Thursday. And uh, joining me to do this is uh, uh, independent analyst, uh, CEA and market commentator, Snesipo Maninjo. Snesipo, good evening to you, Unjan. Good and you. I actually love how you introduce me. Like, how? you make me sound so important. Of course you are. Of course you are. Huh? Huh? Of course you are. You know, you make the things. Yeah. You make the things. Of course you are. It's necessary. Um And uh, yeah, man, give us some of your important views here now. Uh, I want us to take a look at uh, the South African rand. Certainly taken a battering uh, in the last six weeks or so. Uh, I mean, I... I remember I went away for for a while and uh, it was comfortably within the sort of the 14 rand territory. And uh, when I came back, it was sitting at around 14 rand and 92 uh, cents. And uh, not too long after that, it cleared that 15 rand mark. It seems now that uh, I guess it's much firmer and uh, I guess less volatile in its trading range. And this after China said uh, they're hoping that the U.S. is going to create much uh, more enabling conditions for them to uh, negotiate a way out of this impasse. You know, those trade wars, you know, we're just some little country in Africa who are affected by the big boys playing. Like, mm. it's actually quite this is Aram, Like, we are just, we are pawn in their chess game, basically. We, the reason why the round is reacting um, is because there's some certainty. There needs to be finality in terms of this trade war. It cannot continue. You've got the likes of Apple crying. You've got the likes of Huawei crying. It it cannot continue. They need to be um, a settlement. But the issue, as you know, Donald, that's our problem, actually. Mm-hmm. Donald doesn't want to give in uh, for some reason. Um, and you just have to, it's whoever blinks first. And I guess the other question, I mean, Snezipo, is, uh, you know, is this in the interest, and, and, and I want us maybe to take a look at this from the perspective of Donald, because we saw uh, over the last few days or so, he conceded that, you know, uh, it's American consumers that are really, I guess, picking up much of the can here, uh, least of all when it comes to some of the consumer electronics that uh, uh, for, for many a year have been sort of manufactured in China. Uh, and now some of the price pressures associated with his tariff policy are going to be felt by his main constituency. Um, is that concession, I guess, a, a signal that is going to change tack, is going to change course, and uh, potentially leave something on the table in some of these negotiations? Mm, not even close. You know, Donald, it's the ego more than anything else. Because remember, big a big selling point of his administration, the wall is not happening. So this is his last, sort of mantle and that he can actually use to show that he's done something. But that's the fundamental issue. So for him and the big, and as much as you may think it may hurt his constituencies, a lot of what Donald is uh, preying on is racism, sheer racism. Mm. The Chinese are taking your job. Like, it really, literally, they are weird. Like, there was some ad that I saw that saying, we're giving these guys $500 billion because of the trade deficit. So, according to the majority of these constituencies, they don't seem to understand trade. Mm. If you're not physically giving them, 
it's just the net difference between buying and selling. Sure, sure. And I guess, I mean, you, you know, sometimes it's, it's easier, I guess, for a populist message to try and simplify even some of those things that are seemingly complex uh, in order to get across uh, whatever message that you're putting out. And, and I must say, uh, certainly, you know, sometimes Donald Trump thinks, you know, this is some reality show. And, and yet, there's all manner of lives, jobs and livelihoods and the sustainability of nations at stake here. If you need to understand, nationalism as well as rhetoric means that people are willing to screw themselves over because of nationalism. It's quite simple. They are willing. You must actually, what you must do for fun is you must check out Fox News on YouTube and some of the comments saying, we are patriots. We are, I'm like, your business is suffering because of this trade tariff. And they're like, we need to look at ourselves as patriots. We are fighting a war. I'm like, like, you must actually do it for fun. You will be surprised. It's, it's rhetoric, and that's the reason why it makes it so dangerous. Because according to Americans, and it's true, so it's not, it's not a complete lie. You know, rhetoric, there's not an element of truth in it. Uh. According to Americans, Chinese have stolen their jobs. That's why yes, the economy yeah. is not growing the way it's supposed to be. Hi, Snessy, I'll, sh- I'll definitely schedule that uh, for my Ratch TV watching session. But uh, let's pause there for a second. And when we come back, we'll take a look at, uh, of course, the retail sector here. And uh, I want us maybe to touch briefly on MassMart. And uh, I'm not sure if you saw what came out of Woolworths as well. And maybe you can just touch on that briefly. And then uh, we'll also take a look at Avenge. And uh, yeah, American-owned Walmart uh, or American, uh, I guess, mass retailer, they're Walmart and uh, they're stake in MassMart uh, seeming to uh, come down fundamentally here and uh, they're saying they're not going to pay any interim dividend after plunging to a net loss of 832.4 million rand and uh, Snisbo and I are going to be talking about that on the other side of this brief break. Eight minutes it is now before 8pm and uh, we are in our business wrap and I'm joined by independent analyst, CA and market commentator Snesipo Maninjwa. And uh, Snesipo, uh, talking about all things American here, Walmart-owned retailer, MassMart, the guys who bring us Game, Dion Wired, Macro and uh, many of the other, I guess, mega retailers that we interact with uh, uh, every day, uh, saying they're not going to pay an interim dividend here after plunging to a net loss of uh, 832.4 million. And, you know, those ones, I almost feel sorry for them, guys. I really do. But, eh. You feel sorry for people that have money. You feel, <laughs> you feel sorry for I, mega oh, retailers like almost. these guys. Uh, okay. Mm. I say almost because, well, nah, they're, dude, this is actually quite, it's not even higher grade. There's a perception that, um, like there's a perception that um, when Walmart went to buy MassMart, that well, Walmart they were going to dominate like nobody's business. Mm. Unfortunately, that has not happened. So um, they're seeing Fireflint currently, and what was quite interesting is that um, which would, would catch you is that what is what would be quite interesting is that number one. They say that they were talking to their landlords. Mm. So those who are holding property stocks, it's going to be tense. And mm. I think the reason why they're talking to their landlords is that the whole EdCon nonsense, uh, says the president, uh, regarding the fact that if you're a major retailer and you occupy lots of space, you have the ability to you know, speak to your landlords when, you know, times are tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so if you look at, like, if you look at exactly, if you look at the results, their top line sales grew about 
5.5% total mm. and comparably 3.6%. Inflation is 5%, 55 give or take. So basically, they stayed the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, Stacey, the big issue here was at the bottom end of the income statement. And I'm quite interested uh, from a cost perspective here. What accounted for the faster cost growth? They spoke also about load shedding in February and in March, which uh, I guess made things difficult. And then what have national elections got to do with uh, their operating environment? Um, I like I was listening to that. I was like, what does national elections guys do? How am I? You know, but okay, so if you unpack the expenses, which is actually where the most of costs are, to the top line, they were hit in some southern African countries because of currency weakness. That's number one. Number two, what actually, if you look at the expenses, so you know they've got um, mass discounters, mass warehouse, mass bills, and mass cash. Each of them, their comparable expenses increased by 11.8%. That's where their losses came in. So, they employment costs were increased because they decided to enter some temporary stuff. Mm. Rates, utilities, as well as SAP IT project costs. That's what I'm curious about because uh, they, do, they don't do a significant disclosure in their financials. Mm. Then, if you look at their opening costs, credit card costs, and then quite interesting, um, which in mass cash, which is very, very big, mass cash, which is their uh, lower LSM, they had a reassessment of useful life, they had an interest adjustment, which counted for about just over um, 10%. So, so which is what, a shift in sort of accounting standards or just a, a change yeah, in how? Yeah, just a reassessment, yeah, just yeah. a reassessment of useful life. So that's not much. And they also had some bad debt and uh, credit card costs, which I was surprised by. But yeah, I Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, I mean, the net finance costs here. Up from just under 300 million to uh, three times uh, uh, or more than three times that, uh, 909.6 million rand. I'm quite interested, aside from, I guess, borrowings rising sharply, and maybe uh, it's worth mentioning why they had to borrow so much. Uh, I mean, wh- why would their sort of uh, uh, cost of financing like that rise so sharply? More than three times. Okay, so number one, the Americans are tired of funding this, number one, the big reason. They're tired, like the you. So number two, if you look at the actual net debt position from June 2019 to June um, 2018, it actually hasn't moved. The reason why your financing costs have increased is because a lot of banks have also repriced you. Mm. So remember, when things are going bad, they reprice you. They reprice you. So that's actually one of the, one of the, one of the impacts in specifically on their, their, actually hurt their results which is why the increase has been so quite significant. Um, we, I personally don't understand, because I didn't know that the, I thought the credit card division was doing okay, but I didn't know it was seeing this much problems. But yeah, we're in a low economy. These things are quite common. So I also see that uh, work permit uh, of the new guy has, uh, uh, has come through. Uh, there was a big issue there about trying to get him a work permit. Uh, one of the guys... Uh, who had come in after, um, I think, uh, what's the guy's name? Haywood. Um, yeah. Yes, after Haywood had uh, resigned there. And uh, he's going to be joining the team shortly. And I'm quite interested, I guess, w- w- what the team in the U.S. makes of this particular acquisition. They went through quite a lot from a regulatory perspective. I, I mean, I remember they were back and forth with the Competition Commission for a while to try and get uh, their the buying of uh, MassMart to come through. Uh, what would they make of this, I guess, uh, close on a decade now after this uh, 
this uh, acquisition happened of uh, their investment in Mass Martin. And uh, I guess the prospects uh, that that would have given them to uh, um, take a very strong position in uh, the hearts and minds of African consumers. Okay, I, we must go back to the history. Remember, Grant Patterson was CEO at the time. Yes, the guy was at uh, Edcon now. Yeah. Mm. So he basically sold Walmart dreams because Walmart um, is basically everywhere except for the African continent. Yes. So they were like, okay, this this brand um, has a significant footprint already. We just don't do food. Because remember mm. at that time, um, Macro and them wasn't big on food. And so they were like, okay, we're going to use Walmart's expertise. We're going to grow this like nobody's business. And yeah, 10 years later, the MassMart is now crying at Competition Commission for not getting leases into retailers because, the, and for me, this is quite simple. This is a lack of a due diligence. We all know we've got a young cartel situation with the retailers and the landlords. Mm. And if you can't break that, any new entrant, regardless of balance sheets, will not penetrate the African market. It's really quite simple. Number two, number two, there was also an underestimation of um, the performance of what MassMart could do and could potentially be. And there was a over, I mean, overestimation. So when they first, so when they first did the buy-in and they realized this, it literally just has come apart completely literally just come apart. They have not been able to do what they needed to do. And right now they're in crisis mode. So they brought this overseas guy. Yeah. And they think that he's going to do the things that make the part. But he doesn't, You if you don't break that retail property owner ancestral relationship, mm. it's a non-starter. It's really a non-starter. You can bring, you can spend as much money as you want on your distribution network, logistics, on marketing, branding. Bottom line, if you can't get to where your customer is, it's a non-starter. So that's my last one here before uh, I let you go. And uh, Avenge. Now, um, they're saying quite a bit of uh, a few things here uh, that I want us to take a look at. One is... uh, of course, they came out with their results earlier on today and uh, seeing some uh, uh, sort of uh, challenges there on the back of that, uh, saying it's net operating loss more than doubled in the latest financial year. But uh, they do say that they're in much better nick than some of their counterparts in the construction sector. Uh, what do you make of that? And uh, more importantly, uh, I guess uh, with all of the challenges facing this sector, uh, how, how long can an Avenge hold out, uh, uh, I guess, away from the fate that has befallen some of their counterparts? I remember they announced that one of the, they sold Grinsica, so they had a better position in that they were some of their biggest loss-making entities are going to be out of their balance sheet. Mm. And, you know, so if you look at where Avenge is right now, they've sold quite a few non-core businesses, non-core businesses. The main issue actually is moments. Mm. So Moments uh, got themselves into, you know, project financing. I think we keep talking about these project financing. You know, Moments does the mining engineering. Which mining company? engineering. Moments. Yes, Moments. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a few unprofitable projects. So unfortunately, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's hurting them quite a bit. 
and um, also the fact that there's also remember that bridge, you know that other place where they wanted to build the mine, the um, that that bridge. Mtendo, yes, Mtendo Bridge. They're close to Kolobeni. Uh, yeah, that that's our, yes, in the wild coast. You know that, yeah. that contract got cancelled. Remember, says um, yes, got, yes. And so, because they walked away from the contract, it's going to cost them. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, they've come out saying they regret taking this Mtendu uh, bridge project here, which was seen as a crucial part of that N2 project that would, uh, I guess, link some of the mining operations that were mooted uh, in the Madiba area in uh, uh, Kolobeni. I think. Uh, uh, that's also just uh, around that Mtendu River area as well. Yeah, you know, they regret it because remember, there's quite a few performance bonds. I'm just curious to find out what's the liability regime of specifically that transaction because remember, as part of them being awarded the contract, they put down a $245 million performance guarantee as well as an $82 million rand money guarantee. So I'm just curious to find out what's going to happen to that those two bonds specifically because that's going to affect their cash position. Uh, number two, they are, they I think they're in a better mix than the others because number one, they're still trading. They're not in business rescue. At this point, just not being in business rescue is quite good. Um, and if you think about it, their debt to equity ratio has actually quite come down. Mm. It used to be 127%, now it's at 87%. Still ridiculously high, but that's, that's not taking consideration the amount of um, 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 their upcoming disposal at the disposals, which should be concluded by 2020. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know what in SA there may be you know fire flames, but they if you look at their where they um, they Asian and Australian businesses actually doing quite well. Okay, certainly an interesting one there. They also came out and said uh, they've seen an increase to around 17.7 billion rand in their order books. So uh, that would uh, potentially make them one of the more liquid construction players. And uh, uh, I guess probably an envy of many of those who are sitting at Group 5 or even at uh, the erstwhile uh, construction division at Marianne Roberts. So I'm going to correct you, order, order book. So I'm going to correct you, slight, slight correction. That order book is of what potential work that they can complete. It doesn't talk to the potential profitability and cash flow well, strength of that yeah. order book. They could so potentially be making money construction, from it. Mm. This is where they, this is where they, these construction companies have thought went wrong in the first place. Mm. The focus being on the order book and not talking about the expected cash flow requirements mm. and profitability of the order book. Just uh-huh. self-correction, my friend. So, but, okay, so so then in this case with Avenge, I mean, with an order book like that, uh, surely that would place them in a much better cash flow position unless they have, I guess, an, an inordinately higher cost base than maybe some of the other counterparts uh, who have either left the industry or, or I guess, uh, are trying to battle to see what they can salvage. So think about this way. Moraine Roberts' order book is sitting at about $22 billion. Okay. Avengers is sitting at around just, I think it's just 13 billion. I mean, 17 billion, mm. 17 billion. So we can both agree they both are disposing of known co assets. Uh, Murray has left construction. Avengers only leaving construction now because remember they talked to the BE consortium. Yes, the deal yes. got announced a week or two ago. So they're still going to carry some of those losses going into the next reporting oh, period. You've got the impact of Ulfolobin and this whole Sanwell nonsense. We're not sure exactly what that's because 
for to cancel a contract of that size, there's going to be penalties that are going definitely, to be paid. Definitely. Thirdly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think let's let's leave it there just on those penalties because it seems that it's going to be a downward spiral from here onwards, I guess, for many of these guys. Uh, I mean, I think of uh, Marion Roberts, who also came out yesterday, as you say. Uh, they came out and said they, they've got a record order book, but uh, some of those aren't, I guess, orders that they can already cash in or bank. They're saying near orders are around 14.4 billion rand. So. It's, uh, it's tough going in the construction sector, but um, we'll certainly uh, follow that one and uh, the uh, continuing challenges in that particular sector uh, in other installments of Business Wraps. Nesibo, pleasure having you on uh, the show this evening. And uh, you have yourself a great weekend and uh, all of the best. That there was Snesi Pomaninjwa. She's an independent analyst, a market commentator and a CA speaking to us for our Business Wrap on this Thursday. Thank you. Eight minutes it is after eight.